Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church, and with me as always is my good friend and the head pastor at Generations Church, Mr. Jeff Ludington. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing very well, and I just want to highlight the fact that you are elder by a lot of years, just elder. Ouch. Older, Ouch. older. Is that the same thing? It's not the same thing. All right, never mind. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Um, <laughs> way to start off on a, on a note that now has set me off on a streak of depression. I'll, oh, I'll be okay. There we go. I'll be okay. All right. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's get to what we're here for, because that's, that always brings me joy as we're doing uh, our new series. We're doing a podcast series on questions from the classroom. So we have collected a bunch of questions uh, from high school students. Uh, We've also got a few questions that people have have sent us through email that we'll be getting to later. But uh, we are doing just having a lot of fun going through some of these questions, giving some biblical answers, um, kind of making sure that the answers focus on kids today and how they react to these kind of things. So you ready for your first question of the day? I am. Let me me just add one uh, one thought. One of the things that really struck me in high school seniors, so think 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, one of the things that really struck me about their questions is I don't know that they're much different than the questions I get from all-age adults. Like, I'm not sure that Christians beyond uh, get beyond these questions sometimes. And so it feels like these young people's questions were very relatable to me and, and questions I get from all kinds of people. Great. Yeah, I would agree. And, I, and it's, a lot of times it's the same questions every semester, every yeah. year. Um, people just want to know. And, and they're not always, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, they're not always questions of faith, questions of, hey, if I can't get an answer to this, I can't believe. Right. Um, sometimes they're just, I just want to know what's going on with this. So let's jump in today. Um, as I was reading these questions, and I've heard these from students, sometimes it sounds like they're coming from a, a position of, of a bit of frustration, okay. like, like, why can't I do this? So the first question is just asking the general question, why is trying to follow God's rules so difficult? Why is it so hard to do what God tells us to do? Yeah, that's so, so good and, and really a fair question. Uh, so fair that I, I, I want to begin with the words of Paul the Apostle, right? And the reason for that is that Paul, when we think of him, he was a Pharisee. If you know anything about that, that means he was the rule keeper. Like he was really good at keeping the rules. And then he comes to, you know, be a, con- a convert to Christianity. And then he pens these words after a long time being a Christian. He says in Romans 7, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now it's in a long paragraph of things where he actually repeats himself. He says it again and again. Like, why? Why do I struggle so hard? And then he comes to this conclusion. It's in verse 17 of that chapter. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. What Paul tells his readers in the church in Rome is that he struggles. Like, he battles uh, doing the very things he doesn't want to do. Like, why do I sin and do those things that are wrong? Or, why do I struggle to do the right things and sometimes I don't do what I know I should be doing? And his conclusion is that sin dwells so deeply in humanity that it is something that controls us. And, and I think that this question is not only so 
common, and what I mean by common is like so many people have it, but I also think that we don't have a good view or a, a, a robust doctrine of our own sin. How deeply affected we are by sin. Yeah, excellent point. And I think that's the, the other side of that is true as well. A lot of students will say, well, not only is it difficult to follow God's rules, it's so easy not to. It's, right. It's, I, I would use the word, it's second nature, mm-hmm. right? It's part of our nature. Uh, the next student asked a question very similar, but a little bit more um, focused on, on one particular or two particular aspects. He said, uh, if our purpose, if we're created to worship God and to bring others to Him, why is it so difficult to do those things? Yeah, really good. And so created purpose or theologically, we call that ontological, right? That our design, if you will. Um, I always tell people like, you know, there's race cars are made one way with one design. Minivans are made, an- or, you know, made another. And if you try and run back and forth to the store in a race car or, you know, race a minivan, you're going to end up with problems, right? It's not its created purpose. And when we treat something, you know, we try and race around in a minivan, we end up, you know, breaking it or crashing it or something. We end up using something outside of its purpose. And our purpose was absolutely, we were made to be worshipers of God. And Worship, if you're hearing that and you think of immediately, if you think of singing in church, don't think that way. Think of that my life is to bring glory to God. That's how I was created. That's how you were created. All of us. Humanity was created that every action, every thought, every deed, everything we do was to bring glory to the one who made us, to God, right? And then uh, the other part is if our purpose is to worship God and bring others to him, here's what I would say. If sin had never entered... Right? If we weren't a broken version of who we were supposed to be, if we were still the way God created us, we'd all be in relationship to God. So now we, the church, yes, we're called to bring others to God. But remember, that very part of the sentence reveals that we live in a broken version of this, right? We are all created in relationship with God, but then Adam and Eve sinned, right? We inherit their sin, uh, and now... Some are not in connection with God, and and those of us that are worshipers of God, that are connected to God through Christ, we're the ones struggling to live the way God called us to live. There's this, in Genesis 3, as it goes, well, you know, Genesis 2 would kind of give our created purpose, how the relationship was meant to be. Then Genesis 3, the opening verses give how Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and how they fell into sin. and, And then there's God engaging them. And it's in those words where God explains the implications. He had told them ahead of time, hey, don't do this. On the day you do that, you'll surely die. And, uh, and then they do it, and spiritual death enters in, the curse enters in. They don't physically die that day, but death starts to become a reality for all of humanity, right? So, but there's these words that God says that I think are overlooked. We know the pain and childbearing. We know the struggles between man and woman, the struggles with work and the ground and all the different parts of the curse, right? But there's this line that God says as he curses Satan too. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Now that offspring part starts to allude to Jesus. But before that, there's this enmity, there's this curse that evil and humanity are going to be an ongoing struggle, right? There's going to be a struggle. Humanity is going to have to fight against evil and that there's going to be this ongoing battle. This curse of sin means that as we're born, we're born broken, right? We're born sinful. And it is going to be a battle, especially even after we come to faith. It's, it's less of a battle before that because 
we're not struggling to do what God has called us to do. But in our faith, now we know better and, and we struggle to do the things that God has called us to do. It's part of the curse. Yeah, and I would point out that um, that passage you read earlier about with Paul brings me some comfort mm-hmm. because if somebody like that was struggling, then it makes sense why I would struggle. I think a lot of times we get frustrated and we think, oh, it's just me. Like, I know I'm supposed to pray, but it's so hard to, to sit down and pray. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible every day, but yeah. it's so hard to do that. So the fact that Paul said he struggled with those kind of things as well is, is comforting. One more real quick. Just think of this, Matt, and I agree with you. That's why I use that verse is it comforts me. But you use prayer. I think of the three disciples that Jesus invites in the garden to go a little further with him. Hey, stay here and pray. Keep watch with me. And he goes on and prays, and he keeps coming back three times, finds them asleep. It's They're real people, and in them we find our struggles, right? Like they have these common problems we have, and that's what's so amazing about scriptures. It's not written about superheroes that never fail. It's a bunch of flawed people that find their way by grace to God. Great. And I, and I love the point you made. Um, I've had students, I used to be a, a middle school pastor. And so I would get students coming to me and saying, man, I am, I am really struggling with sin and I'm struggling with trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them would even reach the conclusion, I don't know if I'm saved. Ooh. And I would point to them, I'd say, the fact that you're struggling with it, it's a pretty good indication because yeah, if true. you weren't struggling with it, then that would be the fact that you, you probably didn't care. Hmm. Um, so let's move on then. We've talked about uh, Adam's sin, mm-hmm. and, and this always brings up a question. Uh, students every semester, every class will ask this question. Why do you believe that the transgressions or the sins of Adam and Eve are applied to us when we had nothing to do with the actions themselves? Yeah, it's so good. And um, I want to start with, um, the real answer is, well, that's what the Bible teaches us, right? That's what God says. That's what, you know, Paul will say later in Romans, and I'll read that in a second. But um, the Bible teaches us the implications of human sin uh, that they're passed on from generation to generation. So we inherit sin, and then we contribute to sin. So that's the... That's the basic answer, and, and we'll get to some scripture that supports that. But there's, um, you're like, well, yeah, but why? Like, why is that, maybe why is that fair, or why is that true, or why would God do that? doesn't seem right. So there's a lot of questions embedded in that. There's a, uh, a popular um, Christian hip-hop artist today is a rapper. His name is Shailin, uh, and he is also a, um, a part of a Reformed church. He's theologically Reformed as we are. Uh, and his, a lot of his songs are doctrinal belief songs. Like he raps about, two of his albums are called Lyrical Theology. And so he really is trying to convey messages like this. And there's one where he talks about um, Christ and Adam and how Christ is our second Adam. I'll explain that in a minute. But he talks about how from Adam we inherit sin. So it gets back to our question, why do I believe the transgressions of Adam and Eve are applied to us since we had nothing to do with them, right? Well, Yes, the Bible teaches us that, but then we wonder, like, well, how is that fair? So Shailen says this. Uh, he uses a sports analogy. He says uh, one member commits a penalty, the whole team, or one member commits a foul, the whole team gets a penalty, right? So you can imagine two football teams lined up, and one guy gets out in the, in the, in the neutral zone early, right? He jumps off sides, and the whole team is moved back, right? We have all kinds of concept for us being communally uh, responsible, right? That when one person does something wrong, 
you know, we all pay a penalty. That's true in sports. You know, that might be true in a classroom. It's true in all kinds of places. Uh, and so that helps us understand, okay, that's what we're saying. One person committed a foul. We all catch a penalty, right? We all get moved back X amount of yards or whatever. Well, here it is in Scripture in Romans 5. Uh, Paul also, is just before that other passage, says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we inherit sin. We inherit uh, let, we'll call it broken DNA, like spiritual DNA that's sinful. And then we contribute to it. And so it's not just one sin that happened. It's now millennia of, you know, billions of people sinning. And that's what we inherit. Um, he goes on, he says, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, but was a type of the one who is to come. So he not only says, listen, we inherit penalty, because Adam sinned, <clears throat> and we inherit that. But then he says, now let me flip over the coin, because there's two sides to this coin. He says, now, Adam, his sin, and us inheriting that, also points to one who is to come. He says this, he says, now, the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass or sin, much more of the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And he starts to give us the doctrine of Jesus being the second Adam, the second one that we can inherit from, right? That the gospel would tell us that, that even though God created us one way and we've contributed to sin, not only did we inherit sin, but we've added to it. But God provides through Christ a new inheritance, that just like we inherited sin from Adam, we can also inherit righteousness from Jesus Christ. That when in the gospel, when we're forgiven, we're not just forgiven, but we're given Christ's righteousness, especially as Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit to us, now we inherit a new nature. We can be made new. Yeah, what an incredible point. And I know just as a coach, there is, I, I never have heard students complain when I reward the entire team. Of course. For one person doing something at the end of a practice saying, hey, we're not going to have to run today if, you know, Stephen can serve six straight jump serves in or something like that. There you go. Yeah, kids are, none of, I've never had a student come up to me and say, well, wait a minute, I know you said we don't have to, to run, but can I do it myself? Like, I, wanted, I want to accomplish this myself. But if one student does something wrong and everybody gets punished, then we're all up in arms. That's not fair. That's not fair. And, and I understand that, that thought process, but as you mentioned, one leads into the other. Yeah. Great. All right. So I think we're going to button up right here. Is there anything else you want to add? You know what, man, as you were saying that last, um, that last part, just kind of getting back to that team analogy. Um, there's other movies. Uh, I think of, I can't think of the, which one it was. I wish I'd prepared for this, but uh, where one team member is being really, really penalized, like he's just being a problem. And yet, there's a time when kind of the community, the other rest of the team. I'm, it's a basketball movie. I just can't think of who it was. Uh, but the team kind of comes in and shares with the penalty, like, okay, he's got to do a million laps. You know, all right. Well, we'll all. You know, it's not a million, obviously, but you know, he's got to do a hundred laps. Well, we'll all take ten, right? We'll divide this up and. And we get a sense of community in the church as we inherit a new nature from Christ. Uh, right, none of us argue. None of us are like, hey, I didn't earn the goodness. We just only complain about the bad that we inherit, right? And so when we do that, man, it, it teaches us. Now let's go give that away, right? It goes back to that one question like, hey, we're supposed to worship God and bring others to him. So now, because we've inherited something good, let's go give that away. Let's go share in the joy of passing that along. So yeah, I would just close with that. Excellent. Yeah. And just the reminder that uh, the church 
is full of people who struggle. Mm. And it's a, it's a place where, where people who are broken get together and encourage each other and learn from each other. And so to come into church and think that everybody else have it, has it all together and you don't, um, again, even Paul struggled with these things. And so uh, it's nice to know that we have a community of people who can struggle together and can help each other through this. So I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, just a reminder, every Tuesday, we will be releasing a new um, Questions from the Classroom series podcast. We'd love for you to share it. We'd love for you to like it wherever you happen to uh, listen to podcasts from. We'd love for you to give us comments. And if you have questions you'd like to add to the rotation, you can email us at questions at generations.email. God bless you. Have a great week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.